Well, good morning, and as we, uh, just before we open God's word, let us pray. Lord God, as we open your word this morning, we would pray that our hearts may be quietened and that all distractions may be taken away so that we may, each one, be able to focus on the passage before us. And may your Holy Spirit work in our lives that we may be able to take home some truths, truths which will be be helpful and of value in the days ahead. And so we ask all these things in your precious holy name. Amen. Well, choices... Life's full of many choices. We're forever having to make a choice. And even this morning, each of us have had to make at least two choices. First of all, we've had to think, well, what clothes will we wear today? And then we have to make a choice about what we'll have for breakfast. Will we have porridge or wheat bicks? Or a cooked breakfast of bacon and eggs? Or is it just toast with their favourite spread on it? And I hope this wasn't the choice that people made, but perhaps they've made the choice, oh, look, we'll just skip breakfast and give it a miss today. Well, in these instances, the choice we make primarily only affects us. But in the Bible, however, there are many examples of how it is important to make a wise choice because there can be long-lasting implications. And two examples come to mind of this. First of all, as Joshua's life draws near to a conclusion, we see him saying, Choose you this day whom you will serve whether it be the idols which you have been worshipping or whether it will be the one and only true God. And then he goes on to say, but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And another example is found in Luke, where Jesus goes to the house of Mary and Martha And Martha spends her time attending to the preparations which had to be done. When what does Mary do? Well, she sits at the feet of Jesus, listening to all that he said. Martha complains about Mary's lack of help. But Jesus says that Mary has chosen the better And as one person said, what a man chooses and how a man chooses when opportunities and alternative choices are put before him, nothing more surely reveals the true man. And this is so true when two people are involved in making a choice. Do we consider ourselves and the benefits we can gain Or do we say to the other party, well, look, you choose first. And by doing this, we realise that maybe 
we'll only get second best. But this is the situation which we see in the reading from Genesis 13, that passage which we're going to consider this morning. But first of all, we have to just have a brief look at the background to this passage. You may remember that last August I spoke on Genesis chapter 12, how that where God had called Abram from Ur to a land he had promised him. Abram trusted God. He travelled to Canaan, where he moved about. But then something happened. A famine struck. Abram moved to Egypt. And on entering the land, he told his beautiful-looking wife, Sarai, to, look, just tell the Egyptians that you are my sister. Abram feared they might kill him. And he feared that they might take her as their wife. And Pharaoh did want Sarai as his wife. However, at this point, Abram's life was discovered. And so Pharaoh ordered Abram and his whole family to leave. And here we see that the whole Egyptian episode was a failure in faith on Abram's part. He just didn't trust God to provide. But let's look at the passage before us today. And here we see Abram leaving Egypt for Canaan with his wife Sarai and everything he had. And Sarai's, uh, Abram's great wealth was in part the result of Pharaoh's generosity and it was prompted by the lie that Sarai was his sister because Pharaoh had so much wanted to make a good impression. And we're also told that Lot, Abram's nephew, must have previously accompanied them to Egypt. And, well, Lot, he'd probably have known of Abram's clever plan to save his own skin at the risk of his wife's purity. And Lot would have seen that the plan had gone wrong. He would have seen God intervene to save his covenant with Abram. He would have witnessed the shame of Abram's faithlessness in paradise when Pharaoh dismissed Abram out of Egypt. He was an adult man of some years by this time. But he was still, however, following his wealthy uncle. And so eventually the entourage arrived at Bethel, where Abram had previously built an altar to God. And here we see him once again calling on the name of the Lord. So this is a sign that Abram had returned to the life of faith that we'd seen previously. His faith in the Lord is once again intact, despite his fall in Egypt. As we often see, faithlessness can often lead to faithfulness by the grace of God. 
Well, in the meantime, Lot had also prospered. He had become a rich man in his own right because he was sharing too in the blessing that the Lord had given to Abraham. But the great wealth of these two men posed a problem. Their flocks, well, they had grown and they were too large to occupy the same space in that part of the central plateau of Canaan. They had difficulty finding adequate pasture for their large flocks. And as well, Lot's herdsmen and Abram's herdsmen, well, they began to quarrel amongst themselves as they sought the best pasture to graze their master's flocks. We see that both groups were offended by what they saw to be competition from the other. And then added to the mix, the Canaanites and the Perizzites were also living in the area, and they knew that this could also cause some problems. Well, something had to be done. The situation couldn't continue. Abram and Lot would have to enter into negotiations. And in verse 9, we see Abram being very generous. Abram had learned that trust and obedience in the Lord and doing that which was right in the eyes of the Lord were more important than any other consideration. He knew that it was dishonouring to the Lord if there was fighting within the family group. So he treats his orphaned nephew as an equal. And what does he do? He gives him first choice of the territory. In Abram's words, if you go to the left, I'll go to the right, or if you go to the right, I'll go to the left. So here we have Lot standing near Bethel. And Bethel, incidentally, is uh, 865 metres above sea level. And so it commands a magnificent view of the Jordan Valley to the east and the southeast. So standing there, Lot would have had no difficulty seeing the green, fertile land in the distance. And he thought, well, that will be just ideal for me and my livestock. So what did he do? Lot chose the east. The two men parted company and Lot left to set up camp near Sodom. However, in verses 10 and 13, the writer of Genesis, he gives us some background information which we have to bear in mind. Verse 10, it reminds us that all this happened before the Lord, before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. And then in verse 13, we are reminded why this was necessary for the Lord to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. The people living in this area were wicked and sinning greatly against the Lord. 
And so when you think about this and what happened, this explains why that today the area where Lot moved to, at the time it looked so lush, so green, looked the right place to go. But now it is no longer lush and well watered because of what happened. Well, when all this is considered, we're told in a subtle way that, well, Lot made a bad choice. Lot had thought only of himself. He hadn't thought of the repercussions. But we have to no take notice of the difference in these transactions. Lot chose his portion, but Abram waited to be given his. Because we see the chapter concluding with the Lord formally giving the land of Canaan to Abram and his offspring. And then it concludes by saying that he, the Lord, would make Abram's offspring like the dust of the earth. So we see, therefore, that chapter 13 is about choices, about the very different choices made by two men. And people, as we know, have continued to make choices ever since. We're making them virtually every day of our lives. However, when we look at it, there is an obvious difference in the way these two men acted. We can see the difference between a faithful man and a worldly man. A wise man and a foolish man. And we see a difference between two believers. One acted like a believing man should, and the other acted in a way which a believing man never should. And as an aside, it's interesting to note that in 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 7, we're told that Lot was a righteous man when he was living and making his peace with the wicked men of Sodom. And Peter also goes on to say, the sins of Sodom did disturb and cause concern to Lot, though not enough to compel him to leave. So although Lot was righteous, he was influenced by the world. But what Adam did, what Abram did, and what happened to him as a consequence, and what God had done, and how Abram responded, it didn't make much of an impression on Lot. And in many ways, we're all like Lot. So let's see what we can learn from these two men. Well, firstly, these two men had differences in the priorities. Abram knew he could rest in God's provision. The call and the honour of God was of great importance to Abram. And we see no evidence of this 
on Lot's part. Abram knew that God had a plan and a place for him and that the Lord would provide. He believed God would make good on his promises. He didn't feel the need to fight with Lot or to battle for his own preferences. And this really is contentment in action. Abram wanted peace because he knew quarrelling was dishonouring God's name. We see here in verse 8, it in effect says, Let there be no strife between you and me, between your herdsmen and my herdsmen, for we are brothers. Abram is showing here what Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 says every Christian should do. In this chapter, Paul is reprimanding those believers who were insisting on their rights and caring more for their injured egos than for the honour of God's name. And it says how that Christian brothers were taking one another to court And Paul says, no, no, that's not the way to do. It is better to be wronged. It is better to be cheated than to bring disrespect upon the Lord, which believers do when they act as if believing in God and belonging to his family makes no difference when one's money or property is involved. We see how for Abram, flocks and herds were no longer the issue. Abram wanted to do God's will, whatever sacrifice might be required of him. The honouring of God's name was of utmost importance to Abram. Well, secondly, the choice each man made revealed the difference in value each placed on this world. Abram refuses to let possessions take precedence over his love, care and concern for a person. Part of learning to make wise choices comes from recognising the value of people. We may get what we want at times, but in the process, we lose the person. People do matter more than possessions. And so this brings us to a question. Are you, are we focusing on possessions and achievements at the cost of people? Abram thought of Lot, and so he let him make the first choice. Abram renounced the world. He let Lot choose the easy worldly option. He let Lot choose that fertile valley. But here we see Abram wanting God's will 
in this whole situation. And thirdly, the choices these two men made reveal the difference between a man of faith and a man of sight. There can be no doubt why Lot chose as he did. He saw that fertile plain. He saw that all that water irrigating the grass. And so all he could think of was how fat his sheep and cattle would grow on that ground and how rich he would become as a result. And this point is made quite clearly in verse 12, where we are reminded that Abram settled in the land of Canaan, the promised land. Lot moved out of the promised land. And as we know, in the Bible, the promised land stands for heaven itself. And at this point, Abram didn't own the promised land. It was his only in the sense that God had previously promised it to him. For Abram, however, that promise made it home. Contrast that with Lot. A share in some future possession didn't mean much to him. Abram saw what Lot could not. He saw the promise of God being fulfilled for himself and his descendants. He saw the heavenly country of which the promised land was but a symbol. He saw the favour of God, the promise of a saviour, the salvation of his family and his children's children. Abram was a man of faith, acting on what he knew to be true, but what he could not yet see. Lot, who had faith, had forgotten it, and was all for what he could see with his eyes. Lot was so blinded by what this world had to offer him that he couldn't see other things such as the great sin of those cities of the plain. He couldn't see their corrupt life, which would tempt his family. And all this was eventually to their ruin. We see how that because of his choice, Lot got wicked neighbours. And even though we saw and read that Lot was vexed, by their evil behaviour. He didn't choose to separate himself from it. Lot did get the lush pasture, but it was only for a short time. Well, Jim Elliot, he's someone who gave up all to serve the Lord, just like Abram did. Jim was an American Christian missionary who at the age of 24 went to the Ecuadorian jungle to reach the Quechua Indians with the gospel. But on January the 8th, 1956, at the young age of 28, 
A group of Alka Indian warriors attacked Elliot and his four missionary friends, and they killed him. But Elliot, he's remembered for the following quote he made when he was planning to reach and go to this warlike, previously unreached group. And Jim wrote this. He said, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Jim gave up all to serve God. Abram gave up what looked good to sight to settle in Canaan, the promised land. And another writer has described it this way. Christianity is everything or nothing. If it be true, it warrants and commands every sacrifice to promote its influence. If it be not, then let us lay aside the hypocrisy of professing to believe it. Well, Abram and Lot, there are lessons to be learned from this chapter. When God speaks to us through his word, when he disciplines us and shows us the correct way to live, do we listen and obey? Do we have worldly views, only living for the present and disregarding the eternal promises of God? <clears throat> well, are we people of faith? Are we looking to Jesus as Saviour and Lord and looking with anticipation to spending eternal life with him in heaven. Well, may we each one here today focus on these lessons as we journey through life. May when God speaks to us, do we listen and obey? Do we have worldly views? Or are we people of faith? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the lessons which we can learn from Abram and Lot. And we would ask that we might, might be like Abram, that we might be a person of faith, that we might not have worldly views, that we might listen and obey your word. Help us to do this each day, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And the closing hymn is May.